do it. What do you mean you're not going to do it? Come on. Sound guy. I'm, I'm not going to say the name. I'm not going to do it. You can't make no, me. Come on, Constantine Eleven. Come on, it's the last episode. Just, just you can, no, you can do it. Come on. No, it's the last one. I'm too sad. It's the end of an era. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. We're all sad. <laughs> you signed a contract. Yeah, a contract is a contract is a contract. No, I can't, I can't do it. You can't, baby. I'm not going to do we're it. Not, we're not going to like force you, but it's the last episode. Yeah, you, come on. You're part of the team here. You're, you're one of us. Well, you're like sort well, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. I'm, I'm refusing. No. Well, if, look, if you're not going to say it, you. I hate that it's come to this, but I, yeah. you will be fired. Like on the spot. Fine, fire me. I don't care. Fire me. Be done with you. Well, then you, you're fired, I suppose. Yeah, collect your bag and you can go. Fine. I don't need this podcast. I'll find another one. <laughs> well, that was awkward. Yeah. And wow. now we don't have someone to do the voice. I mean, I can give it a go. What, you? You sound nothing I'm... like him. Well, no. Well, he doesn't sound like himself either, to be honest. He's all pushed it on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, go, go, go for it, I suppose. I mean, what okay. we got to lose? <clears throat> I was practicing. It's uh, who, Constantine who Eleven, by the way. Constantine Eleven, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Constantine Eleven. That, that was uncanny. That was... Wow. You sounded just like him. We've been paying him like £500 an episode. Yeah. Oh. Well, I feel silly. Oh, yeah. But still, hey, we've 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 got we've got the name for the episode, so we can do yeah. that. Yeah, let's just yeah. just roll that now. Cool. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, let's do it then. Right. Welcome to Totalus Rankium. This week, Constantine Eleven. And welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob. And this is episode 171 of Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. And it is Constantine 11. No, I've I've done it completely wrong. Ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is Constantine 11. Uh, Jamie, it's here. I never thought we'd get here, I'll be honest. It's here. How many years in the making? About six years. How many lawsuits? Oh, countless. How many many times we fell out and swore never to talk again, but we stuck together for the podcast. Yep, every week we came back. Yeah. It's like the making of the album rumours. It is. Yeah. Um, Except I didn't sleep with all of your, you know, companions. Yeah, that's true. That was significantly fewer drugs. Um, <laughs> so, in fact, nothing like nothing like the album rumours. Uh, but no. this is, it's 171, the 170th Emperor. Ah, and we're here, Jamie. How are you feeling? Been a, it's been a slog, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, um, some some good or bad news, depending on how, how much of a slog you're feeling it is. <laughs> so. It's going to be a fairly long one today. That's fine. Yeah. I can cope um, with 
You know what? We usually do this in our American series, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it in this as well. We're going to open with a scene. Can I pick a colour? Uh, you have to get the colour in somehow. I won't, I won't put it in a situation, just the colour. One colour. Okay, go on. One colour. Choose a colour. Okay, what's the most un-Roman colour? Um, <laughs> neon orange. Okay, open on neon orange, uh, and uh, it's all very blurry. Yeah. And then some some darker shapes are coming at the bottom of the screen, and coming into focus, and you realise this bright, bright orange colour is actually the sunset. Oh, nice. And Good silhouetted, save. silhouetted on a fortified wall of four men... The sounds come into the background. Smoke wafts across the screen. You hear screams and blood filling the air. It's uh, There's obviously a battle going on. It's a battle or a hell of a party. Uh, <laughs> yes. And the camera slowly pans round these four men and you see who they are, Jamie. Is it us? No. Oh, because I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember being there. <laughs> a man stands with a letter loosely in his hand which then just drops to the floor, and you realise it's Roger. <gasps> and the man next to him just looks at the keys in his hands and then across oh. the field at the gigantic cannon, smoke pouring from its jaw, and you realise this man is Keith, keeper Keith. of the keys. And, and then the third man stands with a slight grin on his face, convinced that the golden age is just round the corner. <laughs> Uh, that's that's Jeff. Yeah. And then slowly, Gilbert, who we've not seen for a while, have we? No. Yeah. He's now got a grizzled beard. He's, uh, (laughs) yeah. And a shattered Uh, gong, a bit like Captain America's shield. (laughs) Yes. He draws out a a special beater, baton, hitty thing. What are they called? Hitty wall thing. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, It's the stick with a ball on the end that you hit a gong with, yeah? Yeah. 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 Anyway, engraved on the handle is just the words, the Roman Empire. And he turns and with the air of a professional doing a job they don't want to do, but damn it, they're going to do it right. He hits the gong next to him and then fade to black. But don't worry about that yet. We've okay. got a while till we get there. Yeah. yeah. We've got that's a final episode to do. A that's whole like, that's like an hour episode. And a half yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's do this. We are going to start in 1405, when Constantine Dragos Paleologos was born. And let's be sure we are clear about the family, because we've had a little bit of a break between the recording of this episode and the last episode. So uh, Manuel Dos, obviously you remember him, he became yes. the emperor as uh, essentially a puppet under the Sultan Bayezid. Hmm. Manuel travelled around Europe looking for aid, and when Bayezid died, Manuel was able to politically play the Ottoman princes off against each other. And it was at this time that Constantine XI is born. But as we covered somewhat last episode with his brother John, there was a lot of sons of Manuel. Yeah. And some play an important part of his story, so we go, we're going to kind of need to know them. So uh, you made a list of his brothers, remember? Yes. But, uh, you know what, let's just start the list again, because uh, I'm going to simplify things slightly. Okay. A couple of the brothers die young, so let's just ignore them. I'll get my red dead pen out. Yeah, here are the, the brothers in order that they were born in. You have John, who we covered last week. Yes. Then we have Theodore. Yep. Andronicus. Constantine eleven, today's yep. Constantine, Demetrios, and yes. Thomas. 
Wasn't there another Constantine as well? There was. Like I say, I've simplified it. I've got rid of the two brothers who died young, so we don't need to worry about them. (laughs) I'll just leave History Dog in this episode, because he's like, it's the last episode. He's saying goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Basil, shut up! (laughs) (laughs) All you need to know, really, for now, though, is that Constantine is born into a large imperial family. His eldest brother, John, is 13 years older than him. So there's a good space between uh, the... The brothers. So he's obviously got two other older brothers and two younger. He's very much in the middle of the pack there. Oh, middle child syndrome as well. Oh, yes. As per usual, we get very little on his childhood, but we get glimpses because we we actually have a decent source for Constantine XI because he has a friend who becomes a historian later on called George Sfrancis. Sfrancis? As SP... H and an R together, and there's no vowels there. I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't even try. Sfrancis? Sfrancis. I've got to call him George. Uh, yeah. So we get, we get a lot from George uh, this episode. Uh, George served the court of Manuel Dos, and his uncle was Constantine's tutor, and he later works for Constantine as an advisor, so we, we have a close personal source, which is good. So we do get a couple of glimpses here. Um, his writings obviously are very biased. He thinks that everything Constantine does is absolutely amazing, the most amazing thing since sliced emperors. I mean, uh, I would argue he doesn't. Ultimately, he's not the best emperor. Uh, well, did you, we're not in judgment yet, Jamie. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll hold fire. We, you, he might be getting Gene Caesar and like points in the forties for all you know. Well, I'm not saying he won't, but he's obviously okay. not the best emperor because he is the last Roman emperor. Well, maybe they saved the last or the, the best or last. Maybe. Who knows? Let's find out. Let's, Let's find, find out. out. Okay. Right. <laughs> so we know that Constantine gets on very well with his eldest brother, John but less well with his younger brothers, especially Demetrius. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't like him too much. We know that Constantine was good at hunting as a, a child and a teenager. Uh, he impressed people with his fighting skills and seemed to have a fair amount of charisma. I've seen at least one historian speculate, in fact, that perhaps he took after his father Manuel in this regard. Hmm. Remember, even... <laughs> Our speculation of how cool Manuel is aside, there yeah. is this idea that as he went round Europe, he, he impressed people. He did. Of course. Yeah, of course. Hola. So you get uh, you get the impression Constantine eleven takes after his father slightly. Yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. As he was behind John, Andronicus and Theodore in line for the throne, there's very little chance he would have grown up thinking he'd ever become emperor. He's literally fourth in line. Um, but he would have enjoyed the life of being a royal prince. Yeah. And then when he was 16, the Sultan Mehmed died. And as we have covered, this left a rift between his father and his brother John over what to do. His father, Manuel, by this point, very old and ill, and then suffered that stroke that he suffered from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, if you remember, John decided to use Mustafa, who was uh, their imprisoned Ottoman pretender that they had on standby, uh, just to try and make the Ottomans unstable for a bit. But... It didn't work. It just made... Yes. Sounds like a lion. (laughs) You see, I was surprised you didn't say that when I brought this up before. Yeah. I I, I thought I'd got away with it. I mentioned his name and you didn't even talk about the Lion King once and I was quite surprised. Here we go. 
<laughs> well, it's the only time he's mentioned in this episode. Yeah. You you missed your chance, Jamie. Damn it! You missed your chance. Yeah. Oh, uh, we record the entire series. Well, it it didn't work. Mustafa oh. was defeated instantly and killed oh, by being by his brother dropped Scar. down a, a ravine into a wildebeest stampede. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just made the new sultan a young Morad too very angry. Then, if you remember, Constantinople was sieged, and this mm. is the siege where Manuel used his political connections to cause problems in the Ottoman Empire, and John rode out and pushed the Ottomans back. We have no record of what Constantine does during the siege, but you do get the impression that he impressed his ailing father and his elder brother, because shortly after this, at the age of 18, Constantine was left in charge of the capital, while his elder brother went to the west and asked for aid, and his father lay in bed, paralysed from the stroke. So, 18 years old, he's regent. Mm. He's looking after the empire. It's pretty good. good. Uh, He was given the title despot at this time, so that was... uh, a good title to have back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before the negative connotations. Uh, and this was important because it raised him up to the station of his elder brothers. Obviously not John. John was co-emperor at this point. But his elder brothers Andronicus and Theodore were both despots of Moria and Thessalonica, respectively. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Constantine XI uh, was now despot as well. It made him one of the elder brothers rather than one of the younger brothers, as it were. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't despot of anything, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. just in name. <laughs> yeah, just in name. Um, but uh, it's still it's not to be sneezed at. He's got a title now. Particularly as they had recently sold Thessalonica to the Venetians. If you remember, they realised they couldn't keep hold of it anymore and they just sold it, hoping the Venetians would keep it out of Ottoman hands. So his older brother Andronicus also actually is now a despot of nowhere as well. Oh. So, yeah, that's nice. So while ruling the capital as regent, he would have been involved in the drawing up of a peace treaty with Morad II. Uh, Most of it would have been done by his ailing father and his advisors, but he would have been there in the thick of it, learning the political ropes. Uh, The peace treaty was a humiliation for the Romans. The ropes he were learning were really, really (laughs) sad ropes. Not not even pulled tight, they're just like a pile of stringy, like kind of like garden twine you use. Yeah, there's all frayed, and at one end, it's this rope's obviously been like half submerged in water for a few years, so it's just oh. all sort of soggy and yeah, got yeah. crabs on it. Exactly. Yeah, uh, if you strip away all the diplomatic language, this uh, peace treaty was the Ottomans saying, "You Romans are so weak, you are a waste of our time, but you are annoying us, so stop it, and we won't take your capital and one remaining province." And the Romans went, okay, <laughs> please we'll don't, good. Please we'll don't good. wipe us off the face of the, the earth, please. Old empire, established. Yeah, look at us. One and a half thousand years, man. Yeah. You're not just going to wipe us out, are you? No. Um, yeah, so that's how the peace treaty went. Uh, John came back after two years. Uh, he'd been round Europe. He'd got no further than his father did when he'd gone round Europe. Uh, and then shortly after this, Manuel Dos dies. In the coolest way possible. If Manuel Dos can die, I don't think he can. I, I think he, no, I don't think so. I think he just went on holiday. Right off uh, into the sunset. Yes. <laughs> People holding him up because he was fully paralysed by that point. Yeah, but it's still quite cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he made dying of strokes cool. <laughs> That's how cool he was. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe he's paralysed in a certain pose. <laughs> Double finger point. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Or just 
hand to brim of his hat kind of thing. Just make you think a lot of poses are very much reliant on context, though. Yeah, it can be very awkward if it's in the wrong yeah. place. But anyway, uh, Man- Manuel's gone somewhere. Uh, who knows where? He's yeah. no longer around. So John is now emperor. And it was decided that Constantine, little little brother Constantine, he needs to be despot of something. So he was given what there was. They had a rummage around. They found the map people. They're looking very sad now. It's, in fact, it's just <laughs> one map guy, an old man oh. with a red crayon that's broken. Yeah, so I've been really and a massive down. selection of erasers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what what we got left? Uh, what can uh, Constantine be despot? Uh, oh, there's a. Uh, it's a strip of land that runs along the coast of the Black Sea that is sort of ours because the Ottomans said we could kind of do stuff with it if we asked yeah. them nicely. Isn't that um, Charlie's farm, though? Uh, it is Charlie's farm, but um, we, oh, we'll have a word with Charlie. We'll see if right. he's okay. We can buy um, him out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to cost half the treasury. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's fine. We'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll send negotiators. Uh, well, Jeff to Charlie's farm and we'll see yeah. if uh, Constantinople you can be despot of Charlie's farm no yeah. no we can't change the title uh, it will forever be Charlie's farm yeah so that was sorted uh, excellent cool. he is now despot of an area uh, yes. it is a pathetic small area but it is however John then came and had a word with his little brother your brother Theodore is not happy being the despot of Moria he hates his marriage and he's thinking of becoming a monk so how about you not being the despot of Charlie's farm? Why don't you succeed your brother as the despot of Moria? Ooh. Now, the despot of Moria, what with Thessalonica being gone, is now the second best title in the empire. <laughs> this is a nod and a wink that actually, Constantine, little brother, you're my favourite and I'd like you to succeed me as emperor. So Constantine, very happy with this. But when Theodore was told that his little brother Constantine would be taking over, he changed his mind and went, nope, nope, nope. When I said I was thinking about being a monk, I was uh, saying I was thinking of getting a monkey. Yes. And you misunderstood me. Yes. And there he is there, Mr. Chuckles. No, he doesn't actually chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he he refuses to go. He just stays in Moria. Constantine, therefore, was denied the opportunity. Presumably, Aww. he was disappointed. We don't know how he actually reacts. It's not recorded. We also don't know how the other elder brother, Andronicus, felt at being completely passed over by John. Uh, Wasn't he in Moria either. anyway? No, so let's do a quick recap here. So, John, Emperor. Yep. You've got Theodore, the second son, is the despot of Moria. But he's thinking of maybe giving it up. Then you had Andronicus, who was the despot of Thessalonica, but they gave it up. So right. he is now just hanging around with no land. Okay. Then you've got Constantine. <laughs> just in a field. Yeah. Got Constantine, which we'll cover what he does in a moment. Uh, and then you've got Demetrius, who's just hanging around in the capital. And you've got Thomas, who's hanging around in Moria. Got it. So that's where they all are at the moment. So uh, John's got a problem. Theodore was uh, a man of many talents, I'm sure. But uh, according to John, one of them was not being the despot of Moria. He was more suited to being a monk, thought John. Uh, maybe a scholar or something like that. But John really wants someone who can, like, actually look after Moria, do some fighting. and so he thinks proactive. Yeah, he wants his brother Constantine in charge. Yeah, but now he's got that bloody monkey. He's just doing riot <laughs> as well. 
Uh, well, um, Theodore just refuses to leave the capital of Moria, which is uh, the city of Mistra, by the way. Um, and he just pretty much stays in the capital with his books and ignores what's going on in the rest of the province. There's going to be fighting sooner rather than later, figures the emperor, and I need someone down there who can deal with stuff. So things come to a head when Carlo Tocco invades Moria a couple of years later. Uh, now, if you remember, I mentioned Carlo Tocco very briefly last episode. He just appears from nowhere, and he's going to do the same this episode as well. He is the yeah. current Italian ruler of Epirus, and he claimed that he had the right of some of the land in Moria. So he just went to try and get it one day. And as covered in last episode, John set off to fight him, and Constantine went with him. Uh, Constantine and his brother uh, visited Theodore on the way down, and then went on to fight Tocco in a naval battle, which we have few details on. But hey, it was a victory. The Romans hey. win a naval, naval battle, which is always good. And very rare. Yeah, exactly. So that's good. Uh, Tocco, defeated, uh, and looking for ways to lessen the punishment, came up with an offer for John. How about my niece marries your younger brother, Constantine? And as part of the dowry, I give you the land that's my land... And I land. came to occupy it. Land, land. And that way, you get the land, but I can save face and say that I gave it to you rather than I lost them to you in battle. How about that? Yeah, we'll have land. Give us land. Land. We need land. We're an empire. We don't land. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what John says. Excellent. So, yes, I'll do that. And, uh, yeah, he turns to his brother and says, hey, how about getting married to Carlo Tocco's daughter? So, the wedding's on. However, just before the wedding, Constantine received a note possibly slipped under his door. I'm making that detail up, but it's the kind of note that you'd expect to be slipped under a door. Not like bursting with Roger. Hello, sir! No, Great no, news, yes, was... you have herpes. <laughs> no, this was uh, Roger's brother. Uh, Roger's always had a brother throughout the entire series, but uh, oh. I've just failed to mention it. Why would you? Why would you? Yeah. Uh, Rupert. 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 <laughs> no, Re Reginald's the third brother. Um, <laughs> but we don't talk about him. Oh, God, no. Yeah, no, uh, Rupert only delivers anonymous messages and slips them under doors and stuff. Sensitive information. Yeah, kind of guy. no one's yeah. ever seen him. It's, it's only theorised he exists <laughs> by observing things that happen around him. A bit yeah. like a black hole. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, Constantine receives a note saying, Warning, do not marry the niece of Carlo Tocco. She and the Tocco family are not to be trusted. Ooh. Yeah. And Constantine thinks to himself, Wow, this is a Chekhov's letter if I've ever seen one. This is going to come <laughs> back. This is going to lead to an interesting tale sometime down the line, he thinks. Yeah. Someone's how the grandkids about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> grandkids. And then he just ignores the letter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nothing ever comes from that story. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> doing my research. It's like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder where this is going to... Oh, it goes nowhere. He just got a letter saying, don't get married. Uh, but, yes. So Rupert's more of a mischievous idiot then. Well, uh, whoever sent it, I'm guessing. Well, I mean, there might be a reason why it goes uh, goes nowhere, as you'll see soon. Uh, in May of 1428, the 23-year-old Constantine XI marries Madalena Tocco, and she changes her name to Theodora, because of course she does. Uh, John then declared that Constantine was the despot of this area of Moria, the new, <laughs> These... the new land that he's got. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So. Clive's farm. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a bit more significant, this bit okay. of land. Clive yeah. Street, then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's, let's keep on t- top of these brothers, shall we? So uh, John's still the emperor. Andronicus is despot of a lost city. Theodore is despot of Moria still. Constantine is now despot of another part of Moria. Uh, and Demetrius and Thomas have nothing. Yeah. And also, I think, Jamie, it is time for our last ever map. Oh. Yeah, because I think it will be helpful for you to know what Moria looks like. Yeah, uh, I've got very the, Tolkien-esque images. Yeah, so for those of you who have access to a map and you're listening, or people who just have a good grasp of the Mediterranean, uh, Moria is just the Peloponnese. You can just picture that little southern bit of Greece. That's fine. Uh, It's the bit where ancient Sparta was in. That's where we're talking. But for those of you who don't have access and are not sure, I'm going to do an easy-to-imagine simplified map for you. And Jamie, you get to draw it one more time. Yeah, I can I... see the reflection of your screen in your eyes. You're looking up a real map. No, no, no. I was tr- I was going to because I thought you were going to ask me to look up <laughs> and find it. But if you can see the reflection, just the Google screen. Oh, okay. I was yeah. preparing to, but then he said draw, so I'm, I'm well, you d- you to don't draw. need to see a real map, Jamie, because you're about to draw one that is just as good. Go on, what, what, what random 2D shape am I drawing this time? Well, uh, the trouble <laughs> the trouble is, uh, Moria, uh, the Peloponnese, it's a very odd shape that's very hard to describe. But as ever, we're going to simplify this. So don't draw anything yet, but imagine an oval. Got it. Yeah. This yep. is not a thin oval. It's fairly close to a circle, but has been squished a bit. Yeah. Okay. An, an, an oblique circle. Yeah. Uh, now, in your mind, have the longer axis horizontal. Like like a testicle. Lying on its side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, <laughs> rotate it, being the shape you're imagining, Ooh. not anything else. <laughs> <laughs> rotate it clockwise 45 degrees. And now draw that. That is the main map. Yes, perfect. Right. Now, Moria has various gulfs in the bottom right of that tilted oval, um, but they're not in any way important to our story. So for simplicity, let's keep it like this. But just know the coastline is far more jagged and stuff. But for now, that's fine. What we do need to know, however, is that Moria is not an island. This landmass is attached to the rest of Greece through a strip of land which is only six miles wide. So go to the top right of your oval, which is in the middle of the one of the longer curves. Yeah, just just do a little <laughs> little land bridge, just leading to the rest of Greece. So that you've like drawn. there. Yeah, 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 just like that. Okay. So essentially, you've got an island and you've got one way on and off that island, which is that little land bridge. Yes. In the top right hand corner. Got it. Yeah. Excellent. Good. There we go. Looks like like Mickey Mouse's foot. (laughs) It does look a bit like Mickey Mouse's foot. Uh, You now have a simplified version of Moria. Well done. Um, Now, across this strip of land, draw a wall, because there's been a wall on this strip of land for centuries and was repaired extensively by Manuel Doss. So just draw a little wall across that strip of land to stop anyone getting on and off the island. Yeah, yeah, just, just there. That will do. This is the Hexamillion Wall, or the Six Mile Long Wall. And then finally, let's just get a couple of cities on there. The capital is Mistra. Uh, this is in the middle of the bottom right. So it's not on the coast, it's in the middle. Bottom right. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That will do. Um, Theodore lives there. Constantine is in Clarenza. If I'm not pronouncing that correctly, I know I'm not. Um, but this is on the coast, on the top left of the oval. Just there. Yes, that will do. 
And I'm spelling that. There are many different spellings. There's C's and G's at the start and all sorts. Uh, the spelling I went for was C-L-A-R-E-N-T-Z-A. Or Clarence Town. Okay, that's where Constantine is. That's his new land. However, it just gets slightly more complex than this because Theodore was very close to the youngest brother, Thomas. And Thomas has been given a castle. And this castle is in the middle of the oval. Start there. And then go up until you're close to the coast, but you're not there yet. And that's where Thomas is. Perfect. So, there you go. There's your map. Um, If you want to add anything else to Moria, like where the Balrog lives... Feel free to add cave. that on. I'll put a little cave at the bottom. Yeah, put a little cave. Put the, the Great Hall of Doran in there. So you've yep. put the Balrog in the bottom left of the uh, yes. the landmass. Fair enough. Okay, right. So in this, what would have been seen as an afterthought of a province several hundred years ago, we now have three brothers who are in line for the throne. But not only that, large chunks of Moria are actually under foreign rule. Not all of this is in the Empire. Mostly this is a hangover from Latin conquest from the Fourth Crusade and the fall of Constantinople. Um, now, to begin with, everything was actually going quite well here. There were still coastal cities in Moria that did not belong to the Empire. In 1428, the three brothers joined together and joined John, and they try and take the coastal city of Patras. Uh, Patras is on the northern co- coast, fairly close to Clarencetown. But it did not go well. According to our pro-Constantine source, George, uh, Theodore was very reluctant to commit and just stayed in Mistra and uh, left Constantine sort of flapping in the breeze and John as well. Didn't go too well, but it wasn't all bad. They were able to get Patras to pay Constantine an annual tribute of 500 gold coins, which is nice. Mm. And while they were sieging the city, Constantine and his new wife had a celebration of their marriage. Nothing quite like a wedding outside the city you're sieging. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think all the, the sea cities sit on the walls and clouds? Oh, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Whilst, like, starving to death. Yeah. But you know what people are like for royal weddings. They get well, stupid. Uh, so. giddy, giddy with excitement, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm guessing everyone was excited. Now, the Emperor John was determined that the Emperor should control the whole of Moria. So he then called Constantine to Mistra and... Uh, had a had family chat, he did. Uh, but whilst Constantine was there, John and Constantine had a secret meeting with the other brothers were not involved. Ooh. It was decided Constantine would try and take Patras again. And if he was successful, John would go back to Constantinople and Constantine would stay in Moria as a despot of Moria. Ooh. If Constantine failed... Constantine would go back to the capital with his brother and become despot of that little farm once more. It's kind of a win-win. Well, yeah, um, you get a sense that John and Constantine were close and neither of them particularly liked Theodore and they were just trying to make sure that Constantine was in the most powerful position possible to take over the throne should anything happen to John. By the way, Andronicus, just to make things a bit simpler, the second eldest brother, always a sickly man, dies at this point. Oh, okay. So you can cross Andronicus off your list. We're down to five brothers now. Gone. That's exactly what Constantine did on his <laughs> list of brothers. One. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a list of brothers, don't they? That they just tick off or cross out? Yeah, mine's empty. Yeah. 
Constantine is going to take Patras. That's what he's going to do. Uh, he swung by his capital first just to see his wife. George makes it very clear that he did that. And then suddenly George gives us loads of detail. George is very light on a lot of detail, but for some reason this part... Well, you'll kind of see why he goes into detail in a second. But yeah, we suddenly get detail here. So on the way, they sent people ahead to make contacts with sympathetic people in the city to come up with a plan to enter Patras. Constantine and George then arrive at the meeting spot with all their men. And those from the city came with their plans. But according to George, the plans were, and I quote, unrealistic. But he does not say what they are. So Hmm. we can only speculate what the unrealistic plans were. Oh, yes, we can. (laughs) <laughs> we go back to our very first episode yeah is it ducks or chickens i can't remember chickens these chickens yeah i don't know how but well you you get the portents from the chickens but we did talk about the large plank of wood with a massive nail in nail the first it. episode yeah. so maybe they could use those maybe they just fired themselves over the walls with <gasps> catapults avar style yeah, maybe that was the unrealistic, unrealistic plan. We don't know. All we know is it was an unrealistic plan. So Constantine and George spend the night just coming up with new plans. Right, how are we going to take this city? One idea is uh, that they could go to the Jewish quarter of the city, which uh, somewhat unfairly was outside the city walls. Huh. Yeah, so <laughs> no defending that. Uh, but they just didn't see the point. It's like, yeah, we could go and take that. It's outside the walls, but it's not actually going to help us capture the city. They've um, been through enough. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and it's not like we're going to take them by surprise, because we've been here for a while now, and the city now know who that we're here. So instead, let's send word, shall we? And I'll quote what they sent to the city. We have come to receive the surrender of your city, or to storm the citadel. So, nice, nice blunt and to the point. Yeah, takes away the surprise element, though. It does, but uh, they were already spotted. So, a siege was set up, and uh, a few days later, while George and Constantine were having their lunch, uh, discussing their plans, there was suddenly a commotion, and a bunch of horsemen suddenly came rushing out of the city. George tells us that his and Constantine's horses happened to be the closest, and the only ones that were ready to go. So the two of them leapt on their horses and gave chase. Pretty good, yeah? Yeah. As they chased, an arrow hit Constantine's horse, and Constantine fell to the ground. The enemy horsemen swung around, looking to capture the Roman prince. And George tells us, and I'll quote, I was able to defend him until, with God's help, he was able to untangle himself and fled on foot. I doubt blows and overwhelmed a foe, but I suffered wounds also. My horse received so many that it finally became exhausted and fell. And at this point, George is taken prisoner, but Constantine escapes. Hurrah! In fact, I'll quote George again. I was thrown... (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) I was thrown into the dark tower of a house, full of ants, weevils, and more. I was put in secure irons, and my leg was held by a strong chain. So, uh, (laughs) more than weevils. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like the little vine weevil bug things, or like a proper, like, stoty, weevily thing? Um, Like a ferret That's a very good question. I'm going to look it up. I'm struggling to picture what a weevil looks like. Oh, yeah, you see, you get weevil bugs. Mm. I was... Right, I must admit, I was thinking like a stoat. Ah, okay. (laughs) 
That's Are they funnier. called weevils as well? So that's yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Why, why do I have stoat in my? Oh, that's just a weasel, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of weasels. But oh, in my head, he was trapped in a basement full of ants and like weasels. But no, it's just oh, I'm disappointed, Jamie. Oh, let's sorry. say let's say it was weasels and not weevils. Weasels and ferrets. Yeah. Yeah. Ferrets, great time. Weasels, meerkats. Um, oh, panthers. <laughs> yeah, why not? Whole menagerie <laughs> down there there was. So he's locked up. He was held like this for a month in this uh, prison. Meanwhile, Constantine had managed to get back to the camp and carried on leading the siege. So uh, make the most of this. It's pretty much the only detail we get of his fighting. But we saw that he was in the thick of the action. He was the kind yeah. of uh, prince who would jump on his horse and make chase rather than send someone else. So maybe some fighty points there. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Patras, realising that they were going to lose the siege, releases Constantine's friend as a token of goodwill after a month or so, uh, and then asks for a truce. Uh, George was half dead by this point. Those oh. weasels were not nice to him. Nibbling on his toes and everything. Yeah, so it was decided, they sent message to Constantine, if we have not had any reinforcements arrive Within a month, we're surrendered to you. However, if a massive army turns up to help us, we're we're going to use it to fight you. And, Fair uh, enough. Yeah, says Constantine. It's like okay, okay, we'll call it a truce for now. We'll sit around and we'll wait for a month, and then you can surrender. Yeah. So that's what they do. Uh, by June, Patras gives in. The city is now in the Roman Empire. There we go. Another tick in the wing column for Constantine. However, letters of outrage soon flood in. The Venetians were very angry because they had a lot of investment in that city. The Pope was very angry. This was a Christian city. What are you doing taking Christian cities? There's this whole unification of the church thing that your brother's discussing yeah. with us at the moment. What's going on here? The Sultan, Morad, was very unhappy. You are my vassals. What are you doing taking cities without my permission? Um, essentially, Constantine managed to <laughs> off everyone by doing this. <laughs> really no did, one was he? happy, uh, apart from his brother. Uh, his brother was right pleased with him. Uh, sent, sent him a letter saying, well done. But didn't ask Constantine. He did not care that everyone was unhappy. He saw it as he was thumbing his nose at, at all these big shots. Yeah. So he's taken the city, hurrah. Uh, and more good news for the Empire. His brother Thomas had taken more of Moria that was in the foreign hands near where his base was. Hmm. So it's uh, multiple Roman princes taking land in Moria. In fact, by 1430, apart from a handful of port cities, the whole oval that you've drawn is now in the Empire. Hey! The Empire's growing, Jamie. Hooray! Golden age round the corner. It's on its way. However. Oh. This is a big however. Yeah, some bad news. First of all, the personal bad news. Uh, his wife, wife of 18 months, uh, she's dead now. Oh. Yeah, I'll quote George. She left behind a great deal of grief to her husband because she had been extremely comely. So in other words, everyone was very upset because she was hot. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not lots of grief because uh, she was well-loved or anything. George no. makes it quite clear. It's because she was hot. Everyone was really sad. Uh, so that was the personal bad news. His wife's dead. Uh, that's, that's sad. Uh, but also, bad news for the Empire, because uh, you see where you drew the Hexamillion Wall on your map? Uh, well, north of that is now entirely in Ottoman control. Ooh. Morad had taken Thessalonica from the Venetians. That meant there was no longer to the north of them anything that wasn't fully controlled oh. by the Ottoman Sultan. Uh, and then Morad set his sights on Moria. 
That wall had to go, said the Sultan. But we built it. Well, we've decorated everything. It's got flowers, peace symbols on it. He did not care. He just saw the peace symbols as targets. In 1431, he ordered his troops to take it down, which they did by destroying parts of the fortification. And, uh, oh, by the way, um, just going to do this here. Remember last week when I said, oh, I'll find some people who were born at the end of the Roman Empire. Annoyingly, almost all the famous people born in the 1400s were born just after the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh. All of you, like, da Vinci's and people. (laughs) (laughs) All the other ones. (laughs) All the other famous Renaissance people. Um, However, we have two people born at this time who are big in history. Uh, So I'm just going to share with you two people. First of all is Rodrigo Borgia, who became uh, Pope Alexander. Obviously, huge importance uh, in Renaissance Italy. So he's born at this point. The other one you're going to be more excited by, though, Dracula is born in this year. <gasps> Vlad the Impaler! Yes. So Vlad cool. the Impaler is born. So we now officially have Dracula alive. Yes! Yeah. Or undead. Yeah. Well, so, not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Nothing that's cool. whatsoever to do with our story at all. But... It's cool to know, It's just something I noticed, so there you go. Anyway, back to the story. That wall's coming down, yeah? On your map, draw that wall as damaged. Uh, But it's not completely broken, which is good. Uh, About a year after this, Constantine and his brother decide to swap territories. (laughs) I want to be further away. I want to be further away. (laughs) Get me away from that wall. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Constantine would move to that castle with the name that I can't pronounce. And Thomas would move to the top left of Moria. Uh, This just puts Constantine in a more central position uh, and a bit closer to the the capital of Moria, Mistra. Mm. So, yeah. Is it because he's probably seen as more effective? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Thomas, uh, he's getting stuff done, but Constantine is seen as the the guy who's doing stuff in Moria. Uh, Theodore is still very much just hanging around with his monkey and Mistra, not doing anything. <laughs> Two of them in armchairs, both reading a book, smoking a pipe. Oh. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, George doesn't go into why this happens. So he he stops giving detail as soon as the exciting story of his imprisonment oh. stops, and it's one near death just, experience, and suddenly yeah. he's all oh, can't do anymore. Pages on those weevils he spent describing <laughs> them uh, but, species. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, like, huge events just glossed over. So, yeah, we don't know why they swapped territories, but they did. Presumably it was so Constantine was more central and able to do stuff. So, yeah, there obviously was, by this point, power plays going on between the three brothers in Moria. Uh, The Emperor John still had no children, and he was on his third wife. So people started to assume that uh, no children were going to come. There's obviously something stopping children from happening here. Uh, So the brothers start to realise that eh, it's going to be one of us, the next emperor. Who's it going to be? Obviously, Theodore's the oldest. Open and shut case, he said to his monkey. Um, (laughs) Constantine said, hang on, most capable. And uh, Demetrius and Thomas just looked slightly sad. Uh, In 1436, Constantine was summoned to the capital, and he was hoping that this was going to be his brother saying, you are my heir, officially. Uh, His elder brother Theodore also feared that that's why his brother was summoned to the capital. I'll come too. Uh, Fetch the monkey. 
Yes, exactly what he said. Almost exactly what he said. Uh, Yes, he follows Constantine up to the capital as well without being invited and just suddenly turns up. Oh, hi. Hi, John. I'm here. Now, we get few details, but it would appear that John decided that uh, Constantine and Thomas were going to jointly rule Moria. And Theodore, since you were so eager to come up here... You can stay. You're now just going to stay in the capital. You are no longer despot of Moria. But what about my, my monkey? Well, he brought his monkey, so it's fine. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Can he have, can he have his own room? He's quite no. destructive. Just... He's got to share with Theodore. Oh. No one else wants the monkey. Oh. Just to keep things straight, by the way, Demetrius is also in the capital at this point. Okay. So, John, Demetrius and Theodore in the capital... Thomas and Constantine were going to go back to Moria and rule together, with Constantine being the senior of the two. So this is, again, a clear indicator that Constantine is the heir, and he's going to be taking over. So Constantine heads off to rule Moria, and guess what Theodore does? Plays with his monkey? No, he follows Constantine down to Moria, goes back to Mistra where he was, and just sets himself up just like he was before. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, just completely ignores John. Uh, And it looks like civil war is on the way. Yeah. Constantine is not happy with his elder brother. The emperor said that this is mine and you've come down and you're saying you're still in charge. Theodore, unhappy with his little brother Constantine. I'm the oldest brother. I'm the one with a monkey. I should be in charge. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, really did look like they were going to fight. They were prepping their troops and everything. Uh, John had to send word down and say, seriously, cut it out. (laughs) Now is not the time. We are a gnat's testicle away from being destroyed here. Um, You really need to just, just sort yourselves out here, okay? So he told Theodore and Thomas, fine, you two will Moria. Constantine, you come back to the capital. How about that? And... Can I bring a monkey? (laughs) No, no more monkeys. (laughs) Bad enough that Theodore's got one. Causes a mess. Um, Yeah, obviously Constantine wouldn't have been happy with this if it wasn't for one thing, because uh, John was preparing to leave the capital and he wanted Constantine to act as regent whilst he was gone. Uh, Was this before his tour? No. He's done his tour before. That was when Constantine was regent before this is the second time that john leaves and this is because he is off to italy to talk to the pope about the unification of the church got it so that's at this point and i'm taking demetrius with me he says because john did not trust demetrius one bit it's the way he keeps standing in the corner rubbing his hands and laughing yeah he he he'd got his uh cackle yeah spot on by this point yeah yeah He kept receiving letters and getting letters to be delivered by someone who wasn't Roger. And it was very confusing. (laughs) All very underhand. So, right. So come back to the capital, Constantine. I'm taking our scheming little brother Demetrius with me. Can you rule in my stead? And uh, Constantine approved of the use of in my stead because it sounded historical. So he went. (laughs) Uh, He was once more in charge of the capital, helped by his mother, Helena. Helena's still alive, by the way. This is uh, Manuel Doss's wife. Uh, who, who we talked about. Um, so she was actively helping run the city. Uh, and for nearly two years, John was gone with the news that we are now all Catholic. 
sort of we're unified we're all one church we are we're one together one god one religion excellent says him yeah as covered uh, not many people happy about this no no a lot of angry people in the streets uh, constantine agreed with his brother that it was politically important to gain support from the west yeah this is the right move but he could also see why people were not happy he personally did not like the unification of the church but he saw that it was politically necessary so he supported his brother yeah through slightly gritted teeth but he did support it oh brilliant he brought back yeah. some rosemary bees just as i wanted <laughs> yeah, exactly oh, and a pope calendar oh thank you yeah let me, let me hang this right here like, imagine your friend like going to italy going to the vatican and then your friend comes back and gives you a bloody pope calendar how ridiculous would that be who did you get a pope calendar off no i got you one remember oh did you yeah how long ago was this oh it's years and years ago i do vaguely remember a pope calendar yeah now you say it i think you even put it's when you were living in radford yeah pretty sure it was a yes. long time ago yeah this is like way before podcast isn't it yeah 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 yes no i do remember now yeah. Pope Benedict or John Paul? I can't remember even which Pope it was. Well, I loved that calendar, I've decided. It was the best person oh. that you've ever got me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so uh, Constantine puts up his Pope calendar and says to himself, I will never forget this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he has done his job as being regent, uh, which is good. Uh, he stayed in the capital for another year once his brother came back, and he started to think about marriage again. His uh, wife's been dead for ten years. We've covered a bit of time there. Wow. Yeah, so it's time to get married again. Uh, eventually, a wife was found. <laughs> You'll do. <laughs> Someone looked behind the sofa. <laughs> oh, look, <laughs> a potential wife. Yes, Katerina, the daughter of a Genoese lord of Lesbos. Yeah. Uh, Constantine decided it was time to go back to Moria. So what he was going to do is going to sail to Lesbos, get married, then leave his wife on the island and go back to Moria, which is an interesting choice. And we're not told why that's his plan. Yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if you were Katerina as well, bit disappointed in the honeymoon. Yeah, a little bit disappointed. Um, the plan works perfectly for him. He goes to Lesbos, he gets married, and then he just leaves. Bye, wifey. <laughs> Do you, Constantine, take Katerina to be your lawfully wedded wife? I do. You may now kiss the bride. Bye! The, the service was... It was lovely. It was outdoor. Um, Beach wedding. Yes. <laughs> A ship right next to the, the wedding. <laughs> so they run up the gangplank. <laughs> as soon as it had finished. Um, yeah, so he then goes back to Moria. When he got there, he discovered, surprise, surprise, Theodore and Thomas had left very little room for him. They'd uh, really secured their respective areas. Uh, so he wrote to Demetrius. Mm. Yeah. Demetrius, at this time, had that tiny strip of land near Constantinople. How about you swap, he says to his younger brother. I get that tiny strip of land, become despot of there, and you can come down here and be despot of Moria. Honest. I definitely... <laughs> Definitely have land down here. Do you fancy fancy a swap, Demetrius? Come on, you've not been in the story much so far. You want to get involved? Um, and they agree. They oh. are going to swap, but events overtake this. So they don't actually end up swapping. In 1442, Morad once more decided that it was time to take Constantinople. 
How, have they managed to refix a damaged wall yet? Or is it still... Ah, uh, that's down in Moria. This is Constantinople for now. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, that wall has been repaired. You'll be okay. pleased to know. Um, anyway, Morad, deciding to take Constantinople, uh, thought, well, let's not just attack Constantinople. Let's supply someone with lots of troops and get them to take Constantinople and be my puppet. Clever. And who better to do it than the disgruntled younger brother of the emperor, Demetrius? <gasps> yeah, so Demetrius was supplied with troops and uh, set up a blockade of this capital. Constantine eleven was summoned by John, come and defend the city against your idiot younger brother. <laughs> if you would. So he just walked through the arm and it's like, what are, you, what are you doing, you absolute banana? I mean, <laughs> look at this. Call this a siege. So Constantine, he's summoned to defend the city. Uh, he decides on the way back to the capital, he's going to pick up his wife. Because he should probably get to know her slightly. <laughs> so you're going to pick up your wife? My who? Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, definitely. yes. No, I did do that, didn't I? Mm. You know when you dream something and it's quite vivid and, and, and yeah. it's like, was that dream? Was, was that real? Uh, I, I was drunk. Um, uh, that, whatever. But yes, I'll pick up my wife. So he swings by, picks up his wife. Um, but as he's doing it, he's blockaded by a Turkish fleet. And for several months, he is stuck on the Isle of Lemnos with his wife, not being able to get off. Lesbos or Lemnos? Lemnos. <laughs> Nearby island. Yeah. And while stuck there, there wasn't much else to do but to uh, get to know his new wife, as they say. Yes, yes. Yes. But sad news. Uh, well, good news. Good news, Jamie. Oh. Don't worry. Good news. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Wife becomes pregnant. Hooray. How nice. Hey. How nice. Yes. Right, now the bad news. Uh, <laughs> wife wife falls ill during pregnancy or whilst giving birth and dies. Wife and child do not survive. Uh. So, that's sad. A bereaved Constantine finally gets away from the island and heads to the capital to find that this pathetic coup attempt from Demetrius has failed. It just... Yeah. Yeah, it was put down nice and easily. But it was decided that Constantine would stay up in the capital. Uh, he was going to rule Salimbria, a small city very close to Constantinople. One of the few towns that they've actually got near the capital still. However, things get a bit musical chairs at this point. Um, yeah. Theodore wrote to Constantine at this point saying, Do you want to swap? <laughs> uh, you can be despot of Moria. Uh, I'll come up to Salimbria. Uh, my monkey yeah. wants a change of scenery. So it was agreed. So let's be really clear here. Let's keep keep up to date with our, our list of brothers. We're in 1443 now. That is 10 years till the fall of the empire. 1443. John is emperor. Theodore is in Salimbria, close to the capital. Oh, wow. okay. Demetrius has a sliver of land close to the capital, yes. but is seen as a traitor by everyone. Well, he is. Because he is. Uh, Thomas has land in Moria and the title of despot, and Constantine is the main despot of Moria, ruling for Mistra, the empire's second city. Right. So he really is now, like, seen as the heir. Uh, Mistra, as I said last episode, by this time is seen as the cultural capital of the empire. Constantinople is falling apart, and it's... No one really wants to be there anymore. Mystery, where all the philosophers and artists and academics were starting to go to. Is it like Camden Town in London? Um, <laughs> just full of street food and 
Michael yeah. Poe is. Uh, yes, let's yeah, say that. Nice. Yeah, uh, so at this time, whilst Constantine was ruling from Mistra, uh, a resurgence of uh, looking into the Greek past had started. People in Mistra started to see the place as new Sparta and look into their classical roots. Uh, Mistra very close to where the uh, old Sparta was, by the way. Mm. Um, so this new Sparta would rule over united Moria, and this this was the future of the empire. You get the feeling that the pretense that the Roman Empire could ever be great again was gone, and people were coming to terms with the fact they were just going to be this small little kingdom, essentially, in, in, in Europe. Constantine looked to defend his new land. To begin with, he made sure that the wall was better than ever, so he... he poured money into repairing that wall. Much like his father, he found that local landowners were not happy because their money was being used to do it, but yeah, he got it done anyway. Uh, Constantine was advised to build the wall strong and defend it. That's what all his advisors were saying to him. Build that wall big, build it strong, put yeah. men on it, we will keep the Ottomans out. But Constantine yeah. had a different idea. Yes, I'll build the wall. Yes, I'll make it strong. But I will then use it as a launching pad, he said, and take over the world. Really? Golden Age is around the corner, Jamie. It's true. So yeah. where to start? He's going to head into the rest of Greece, and he's going to liberate all the cities that were the vassals of the Ottomans. He figured he could do this because Morad was busy fighting a combined Western force that the Pope had put together after the unification of the church. So in 1444, Constantine headed into the Duchy of Attica, and was able to take Athens and Thebes from Nereo II, who was an Ottoman vassal at the time. This is the Golden Age. It is the Golden Age. Athens and Thebes back in the empire, just like yeah. that. Oh. Expansion. This is seen as a huge victory. It is. It is. It sounded good. Athens back in the empire, growth, expansion. Yeah. We can't be kicked around. Uh, so yeah, it sounded good, but what didn't sound good was the fact that Morad had defeated those Western forces, had heard what Constantine had done, and was now ordering payback. In 1446, oh. Morad put together a force of around 50,000 men and marched to the south of Greece. Seeing the force coming, Constantine retreated back over the wall very quickly and met up with Thomas, and together they were going to make a stand. This was it. This was the big one. They were going to defeat the Ottoman Empire. Uh, seeing the large force Morad had, Constantine sent a message to negotiate. How about you just don't attack us and you can have Athens and Thebes back and we call it a draw? I was, like, yeah, I was, yeah, I was only joking. It's a yeah. joke. It's a joke. Yeah, Morad just threw the man with the message in prison. So that's, that's Roger in prison. Oh, no. Yeah. He's got to escape, though, because he's in the last scene, isn't he? So, mm. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, and then the attack began, and uh, Mor Morad had a couple of secret weapons, or actually not-so-secret weapons. First of all were the Janissaries. Now, the Janissaries were elite troops in the Ottoman Empire. They had been trained from, not quite birth, but near birth, tra trained from early childhood. Most were child prisoners of war forced into this slave army. Uh, they were seen as very fierce and very loyal fighters. Yes, it was a slave army. They were enslaved, trained, and then forced to fight. But due to various reasons, uh, one of them being the fact that they were very well paid, uh, it was seen as an honour to be a Janissary, and they they took it seriously. They, they were respected and feared. So he had a whole bunch of them. Uh, the other weapon is one that I mentioned last week, which is the new ballistic weapon, the Siege Cannon. Like a big metal 
pipe. That big metal pipe that spits... Smokes a bit. Spits out metal balls. Now, I am no military historian or even a military hobbyist, uh, so I'm going to keep this light. Um, <laughs> cannons, by the way, are not new. Uh, I kind of mm. implied last time that the, the use of cannons was a surprise for everyone because it's more dramatic and fun that way. But obviously, these things don't suddenly just appear in warfare to the amazement and shock of everyone. They are not brand new, uh, but we are definitely seeing them being used in new ways at this time. Uh, cannons uh, were invented in China, definitely over a couple of hundred years before this. You see them in yeah. China. Uh, and they were in the area that we've been covering this entire podcast, so the Mediterranean area, uh, for over 100 years by this point. Okay. But they were mostly small and anti-personnel devices. <laughs> you'd have one in your pub to keep people out. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. You'd have yeah. things like grape shot in them and stuff, just to really like pepper a person to bits. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they weren't seen as big siege tools. They were seen as ways to hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's only very, very relatively recently that the technology had improved to the point that they could be used to, say, attack walls. So when Morad rolled these in front of the wall, the Roman forces would have been aware what they were, but were probably unlikely to fully expect the damage that they could do. It was... You what? Going to pepper the wall to death? Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. It was... Uh, how ridiculous. It was quickly developing technology at the time. So, yeah, for five days they were fighting, but Morad was mainly testing for weaknesses. Knowing that the guns were in place, the Roman forces didn't show themselves on the walls because they didn't want to be peppered with small bits of metal coming out of a cannon. Mm. After five days, Morad signaled for the Janissaries to scale the wall uh, and started concentrating cannon fire. After a few days of this, the walls just lay in pieces and almost all the defenders were either killed or captured. Some oh. managed to flee, including Constantine and Thomas, who apparently only just escaped with their lives. This was utter, utter disaster. Morad then split his forces into two. One half he sent down to Mistra, make them suffer, he said. And he himself headed to Patras, burning down towns to the ground as he went. Uh, however, fortunately for the people of Moria, winter was setting in, and Morad did not want to stay over winter, so after inflicting a lot less harm than he could have done, he turned back and headed home. Moria, however... Ooh lay shaken and weak. Possibly 60,000 people were taken as slaves. Wow. Constantine was forced to sign that he would pay an annual tribute to the Sultan and swear never to rebuild the Hexamillion Wall. Utter Ooh. humiliation. Yeah. A couple of depressing years then passed, uh, and then news came to Constantine. His brother Theodore had died. Oh. No word on what happened to the monkey. Oh. Yeah. I'm assuming the monkey outlived him, gave a, a, a touching eulogy. <laughs> that went into quiet retirement. Yes. Maybe he got monked. Maybe. It would make sense. It really would. Um, this was important, not the, the monkey, uh, the fact that Theodore had died, uh, because Constantine, if you check your list, is now the oldest brother after John. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this really simplifies things. Most people saw Constantine as the obvious successor to John anyway, but Theodore was older and it just made everything a bit murky. Uh, but hey, look, problem solved. Theodore's dead. 
Hooray, he said very quietly to himself. Yeah. Uh, and it was just in time, because a few months after this, John dies. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. The emperor was dead and had left no one to take over. Now, Constantine, obviously, next in line, he's in Moria. However, Thomas and Demetrius at this point were both very close to the capital. So oh, we get kind of like a wacky racist thing now. Um, yes, pretty much. Uh, well, between Demetrius awesome. and Thomas, anyway. Uh, Constantine takes his time a little bit because he thinks this is sewn up. Uh, but Thomas and Demetrius rush to the capital. Thomas makes it first, uh, but his support is the weakest. He'd always been seen mm. as the younger brother of either Theodore <laughs> or Constantinople, just following their lead, not really doing much. I'm here that... to be your emperor. So who? <laughs> I've come. I have arrived. Bow, my people. I'm Thomas. Me, Thomas. Uh, Thomas T- P- Paleologos. John's son. Bro- brother of the emperor. Yeah. Thomas, anyone? Anyone recognise yeah. me? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he just didn't have much support. <laughs> he he, just, he really didn't. Uh, Demetrius, however, uh, was second to arrive, and he had a much stronger claim to the throne. Um, I'm well, the traitor! I, I put you all under siege! I mean, yes, Demetrius had, like, tried to, to coup, but don't forget, something very big and important had happened, and that was the unification of the church. And uh, <laughs> All sins wept away. Well, no one liked it, did they? Yeah, that's true. And Demetrius had made it very clear that he didn't like it either. And he had used ah. this as a way to gain support. So actually, his, his support had grown a lot in recent years. Um, yeah, people rallied behind Demetrius because he was the royal prince who didn't like unification. Many saw civil war looming between the brothers. This is only going to end badly. Uh, but fortunately, someone stepped in and saved the empire from civil strife. And that was their mother, Helena. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so, Demetrius, you bad boy! Uh, Thomas, what the hell are you doing? It, pretty much, by the sounds of it. She was still cool. around, and when Demetrius got to the capital, she made them both promise that no decisions were going to be made without her being involved. You silly boys. Don't cross your fingers behind your back. Yeah. And uh, once she had her say, uh, it became very open and shut. Helena announced that uh, Constantine, obviously Constantine, was going to be the next emperor. He is the most capable of the brothers, and he is the next in line. So be quiet, Demetrius. Now, Constantine himself was not in Constantinople. He hadn't even set off yet. So envoys were sent to go and inform him The rest of his family had had a chinwag, and yes, he is definitely emperor. Now, Constantine was disturbed by the news that his brother Demetrius had tried to uh, get the throne off him, so he decided Mm. to waste no time getting crowned whatsoever. He didn't trust that uh, his mother would be able to keep on top of things politically at the capital for long enough for him to be able to get there. Things were politically unsteady, so instead he was going to take the unusual step of being crowned outside of the capital, being crowned in Mistra instead. Ooh. Yeah, so he's crowned, he's now emperor, but he wasn't crowned by the patriarch. Oh, paperwork. Yeah. It's in the details, isn't it? It's all yeah. in the details. This led to uh, some mutterings from people. Uh, anyway, he then heads to the capital, uh, and uh, he arrives. He's in the capital city. He is now in charge. He is the emperor. Hurrah! May he live a thousand years. Uh, he decided against having a formal coronation once he was there, interestingly. Is that not to make too much of a big thing about it? Well, the population was still very angry about unification, and the coronation would have had to have been performed using the new rites and by a unification-supporting patriarch. Of course, yeah. 
yeah, so he decides, you know what, we're just going to ignore the whole crowning thing. I got crowned back in Mistra, that'll do. I'm the emperor. Uh, this led to even more muttering, outright disagreement on whether he was actually fully the emperor amongst those who supported Demetrius. It's led some historians to claim that his brother John was actually the last emperor of uh, the empire. Uh, but I disagree. So, it's <laughs> uh, a bit of a shaky start. Anyway, he's emperor now. He's in the capital. What's he going to do? Make the walls stronger? Uh, yes, but there's something he needs to do quicker. Than oh, even about that. the whole unification thing? Uh, no, no, he needs to find an heir. Oh. He oh, has no children. Wife. Yes, yeah. he hasn't got a wife. This isn't good. So, queries were sent as far as Portugal, all over the place. One benefit of the unification of the church is now we can get a wife from anywhere in Christendom. So, send word. I'm in need of a wife. In the end, however, it was decided they should look closer to home. Uh, our main source, uh, his, his friend George, uh, set off to Trebizond and Georgia to look for a suitable bride. Constantine stayed at home. He had meetings with his brothers and his mother, and they attempted to get uh, some kind of peace sorted. They took oaths that they would not fight each other. I'll quote George here. How they were disposed to each other is not essential to my narration, as I was absent from the city and do not have accurate knowledge, which uh, is a sentence that you'd only write if the brothers still hated each other. Uh, yeah. Who, who knows how they got on? But they agreed not yeah. to fight each other, so yeah. that's nice. Oh, that's all you need to know. Uh, we get very little of Constantine's first couple of years on the throne, but presumably he was desperately attempting to figure out what to do about Morat too. It's only mm. a matter of time. We are shrinking. We cannot hold back the Ottomans. What are we going to do? And then in 1451, the best news reaches the capital. Hurrah! Morat too is dead. Yes! And he's left a teenage boy in charge. Many celebrated. Maybe, quite likely by the sounds of it, this is going to lead to instability in the Ottoman Empire. A reprieve. So we can breathe a bit easy for a while. Uh, however, when George received the news, he's still looking for a bride of Constantine, by the way, he was told that Morat II was, was dead, and he openly wept at the news. And when asked what the problem was, George replied... The late sultan was an old man. He had given up the conquest of the city and had no desire on attempting to take it again. This man who has just become the sultan is young and the enemy of Christians. He will put in operation certain plans against us. Slowly and surely, he'll draw his plans against us. Fair way. <laughs> That's a fair way of thinking about it. Yeah. So, hmm, don't underestimate the teenager who's trying to prove something. Mm. And they get mood swings as well. Yeah, exactly. So, George is not optimistic for the future, but he does have one plan. He writes to his friend, the Emperor, how about, and stick with me here, why don't you marry the widow of Morad II? Ooh. Yeah. That would tie the Roman Emperor into the Sultan's family. You would be the new Sultan's uh, stepdaddy. <laughs> Who's the daddy? Yeah. That was, that was the PS. <laughs> PPS, you the daddy. <laughs> Unfortunately for uh, George and Constantine, though, this plan goes nowhere. The widow of Morad, who was a Serbian princess, by the way, wanted nothing to do with international politics anymore. It's like, no, no, no. I've just managed to get out of my 
political marriage with the sultan i don't want to now marry the roman emperor thank you very much i just want to go yeah. home to serbia and have a nice life so yeah she had nothing no not doing it in the end it was decided that constantine would wed a georgian princess instead and the paperwork was all drawn up for the engagement which is lovely uh, but the wedding never happens oh for reasons that will become clear very soon <laughs> because uh George was right about that new sultan. His name was uh, Mehmed, Mehmed II. He was 19, and he wanted to prove himself. And what better way to prove himself than to do what his father had failed to do and take Constantinople and make it the Ottoman capital. All they needed was a spark. And uh, it came over a dispute of an annual payment. A grandson of the late Sultan Suleiman was living in exile in Constantinople at this time. Just a quick window into how convoluted politics were. Yeah. Uh, now, everyone was happy for this to happen. Yeah, okay. Royal family member of the Sultanate in Constantinople, just out the way. That's okay. Morad, the old Sultan, had even been happy to pay the Emperor John some money once a year just to keep this, this Ottoman royal out of the way. Here's, here's some money for his upkeep, yeah? Yeah. However, in around 1451, Constantine decided that the amount being paid was not enough, and that the new sultan should up the payment a bit. And if you don't, then who knows? Maybe this minor royal might leave the city. And once he's left the city, who knows what he might try and do? Maybe he might claim the Ottoman throne. Ooh. Now, this is a bold move from Constantine. Very bold. <laughs> yes. This is a move clearly testing out the new sultan. How's he going to respond to this? How much can we push against this, uh, this kit? It was also incredibly misjudged. Yeah. The new sultan, Mehmed II, had a, a grand advisor or, or vizier, who I can only assume had a big twirly moustache. I'm getting the picture of Jafar. Oh yeah, definitely. This is uh, this is what I'm picturing here. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it wasn't the new sultan. It was the the grand vizier who who wrote back, and I will quote: "You stupid Greeks! The late sultan was lenient and a conscientious friend to you. The present sultan Mehmed is not of the same mind. You are fools to think you can frighten us. We are not children without sense or strength." If you think you can start something, do so. If you want to proclaim Orhan Sultan in Thrace, do so. If you want to bring Hungarians across the Danube, let them come. If you want to recover places that you have long lost since, try it. But know this, you will fail. All you will do is lose what little you have. P.S. Come on if you think you're hard enough. Yeah, I mean, it's quite... Quite literally, the translation, if you think you can start something, do so. I think you could argue that the translation to come on if you think you're hard enough is, is, is suitable there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm guessing there was a collective gulp in the capital after they received <laughs> So, So, Emperor, you know, you said you were going to just like test what the new sultan was like. Well, good news. Uh, he passed the test. We, we now know what the new sultan's like. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> anyway, uh, what, what's the sound of everyone gulping at the same time? Uh, well, like imagine that 
tenfold when they then noticed that the Ottomans were starting to build a castle on the European shore just north of Constantinople. Oh, yes, look, you can see it from here. Quite beautiful, <laughs> the way it catches the sunlight. Yeah. it's the, You I can mean, really a, see the pointy things. <laughs> I mean, this is close enough that in modern times, this fortification is inside the city of Istanbul. Wow. Okay, that's quite close. <laughs> yeah, this, this was close. Yeah. This was going to be a launching pad for the destruction of the Roman Empire. Uh, Constantine protested. Well, <laughs> hang on. No, that's our land there. You, you yeah. can't. Hello? That's, Anyone? That's, that's Cliff's farm. Yeah, exactly. You can't. Cliff, Cliff's going to be furious. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do anything. I'm, I'm your vassal. But I'm just, 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 just Cliff, you know. You know what he can get like after he's had a bit of this grumpy. Yeah, they call him Wild Cliff down the pub. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You sure? Okay, you're going to build it anyway. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. Yeah, uh, Constantine decides to arrest all of the Turks in the city in a hope that that would be enough to stop the building of the... It does nothing. It does nothing. It was utterly ignored. It took almost a year for that castle to be built, and the Romans could do nothing but watch. It was now obvious that the Ottomans were about to throw everything at them. Constantine wrote to the Pope for help, and I quote here, help. <laughs> Response, ha 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 Well, no. surely reunification had to mean something. And yes, it did. The Pope oh. sent 200 archers. Were these like elven archers? No, yeah, I had no? I had Houndsdeep in my mind as well. It's yeah. like 200 of the best archers in the world. No, it was just 200 men. With, it, it's, it was nothing. Uh, Constantine ordered the walls to be strengthened as quickly as they could. And he put men into training. Um, and then one day, a man from Hungary arrived. He asked to see the emperor, and he was shown in. His name was Urban. And Urban had invented a brand new type of cannon. This was much bigger and more powerful than any cannon the world had ever seen. It would, he said, blow the gates off Babylon itself. Hmm. Okay. Says Constantine, I'm very interested. This sounds like this this could save us. A new weapon at our time of need. Mm. This this sounds amazing. State your price. Uh, Urban then stated his price, and I can only imagine hush fell upon the room, because uh, Urban said, I will need this much money, and you will have to provide me with this much material. Uh, yeah, it's only theoretical at the moment. I'm, I'm built it. Oh my goodness, no. Yeah. Very silly. Yeah, Constantine heard it and realised instantly they can't afford that. So, with huge reluctance, he was sent away. And presumably, oh. the city all watched. They all got up on the walls and watched yeah. Urban just trot away on his horse, leave the city, and head straight to that castle <laughs> where the Ottomans were. With, with his blueprint papers in hand. Because the wind was blowing the right way, they could just about hear him saying as he was trotting up to the Ottomans, I have an offer for you. <laughs> yeah. It was not long after this that uh, George received word that he then relayed to his friend and emperor, and I will quote, The Sultan has left Adrianople and is coming. And that was not all. Rumour was that Urban had indeed gone to the Ottomans and was in Adrianople, working on a cannon that was twice the size anyone has ever seen before. Oh. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the news, George. <laughs> Great. 
Do you think Urban's compensating for something? <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, right, at this point, before we, we really get into the end game here, we should probably pause and make sure you're clear on the city of Constantinople because uh, mm. <laughs> it's probably about time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've obviously talked numerous times on the defences of the city, uh, but... You know, earlier I said one last map. <laughs> you didn't believe me, did you? No, this is the last map, Jamie. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. the last one. Okay, so to begin with, taking up most of the page, you're going to draw a long triangle pointing right, but chop the end off the triangle about three quarters of the way along so it ends up as a trapezium. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense because you've drawn exactly what I just asked you to. Fantastic. On the left, that line on the left of your trapezium, is the Theodosian Wall. Yes. I'm not going to go into how amazing this wall is because we've covered it before, but it's a good series of walls, remember? It's not one wall, multiple walls, lots of towers. Trenches and stuff. Trenches, and yeah. Barbed wire. Exactly. Mines, that kind of thing. Lasers, all sorts. <laughs> right. Disco balls. <laughs> Shines the lights in the attacker's eyes. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> they just hear the disco and can't stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the other three lines that you've drawn on your trapezium are the sea. So it's a mixture of cliffs and sea walls, almost impossible to overcome. However, this is where it gets a little bit more complex because the Genoese colony to the north of the city, uh, you're going to have to draw on. So let me explain how to do this. So the top line you've drawn is actually the south bank of the Golden Horn. The Golden Horn is an estuary flowing into the sea. Big, wide, rivery thing. So draw the north bank by doing this. Draw a line parallel to the top line from left to right, but about three quarters of the way down. Curve that line up. Perfect. Got it. Now, the Genoese colony, Galata, is where the land curves up. So you've just got a, a small, small settlement there. Perfect. There we go. If you've drawn it in the right place, which I can see you have, but for those people imagining it, listening, this Genoese colony should be directly north of the middle of the city, slightly to the right. So it shouldn't be equal to the end of the, the city, but that, that will do. So... Important parts of the city you need to put in. The Hagia Sophia is in the middle right of the city. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. On the far right of your trapezium is the palace complex. Absolutely huge. Uh, but something I've not really talked about recently is this palace complex has fallen into disrepair in Paleologos times. The royal family... Right. Uh, tend to spend time in the Blackene, which is a palace complex that I have mentioned before but not really gone into detail about, but it's in the very top left of the city, up against the walls. Yes. So, old palace far right, new palace top left. Far right is in the whole side. Yeah, yeah. It's a big complex. And the only other thing you need to know is that uh, crossing the mouth of the Golden Horn is a large chain that stops boats sailing up it. So put a chain across from the city to the colony above. And yeah, there you go. Perfect. Right. Good map. I mean, the chain, chain wavers a bit in your water, but that's fine. That's okay. It's got well, a bit of give. The sea, the sea moves. Yeah. The sea does move. Yeah, I'm not going to correct you there. Right. Let's put the pieces <laughs> on the board, shall we? Mehmed 2. He sets his men up in front of the land walls. He is somewhere between 60,000 and 100,000 men Almost half of these were the elite Janissary troops. So he's got a whole bunch of men outside the walls. Perfect. On the sea, ready to attack the chained port, 
was around 30 ships. They were all hovering just, just outside the chain area. So that's the attackers. Meanwhile, in the city, there were around 10,000 Roman soldiers. That was it. And another 20,000 armed citizens, otherwise known as... Fodder. For, yes, exactly. Future fertiliser for the ground outside. Yeah. yeah. Now, almost all of these forces were on the Theodosian Wall, although a chunk of men were kept in the centre of the city just in case they needed to rush to a surprise attack from elsewhere. They also had 26 ships behind the chain. So, the map is drawn, the pieces are set. Feel free to place Jeff, Roger, Keith and Gilbert on there if you want. I'll leave them on the wall. That's where we're going to end, so I think they just want a good site. They're just going to stay on the wall, are they? Yeah. I mean, the siege lasts quite a while. They they can move around a bit, but if you want them on the wall, that's yeah, fine. They, they can move up and down the wall. Okay, that's okay. Uh, but what's this? Ba-ba-ba! Riders of Rohan. Not quite, but it is reinforcements. Mm. Jamie, hey. reinforcements, hooray! Um, reinforcements for the Romans as well, not not for the Ottomans. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. better. The Genoese are coming to help, hooray! Uh, it's 700 men. It's not great. Splendid. Yeah. However, there is a bright side to this, because the leader of these men was a man named Giovanni Gustiani. Italy has gone full Italian by this point. It Renaissance really has. is here. It's yeah. just, yeah. Uh, Sounds like a brand of cheese. <laughs> well, Gustiani had uh, a reputation across Europe for being an expert in guess what? Cheese making? No, something more useful. Fighting. In particular, Strategy. siege warfare. Ah, okay. He was wildly seen as the expert in Europe on siege warfare. <laughs> I'm just hoping he rocks up and goes, yeah, you're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Spends three days with a clipboard (laughs) making assessment. He just turns it around. Just the word, you're screwed. Yeah. No, he he was the perfect person to show up at this time. I mean, seriously, you could not have asked for a better general to suddenly turn up. Uh, And yeah, here he was. Morale rose in the city. Oh, we've we've got an expert. Okay, this is good. You might survive this. Not only this, he had someone with him. And this is wonderful, by the way. He had with him a Scottish man called John Grant. Handy with a claymore? I should say there was some debate on this. Some sources suggest he was German, but uh, some say Scottish. I'm going Scottish. John Grant is quite a Glaswegian name. Exactly. So John um, Grant. Yeah, he's there. He's got a bottle of Grants in one hand. Oh, yes. Which he invented. Uh, yes. And, I mean, You he's drink whiskey. Full on uh, stereotype. That's what he is. Kilt. Yeah. He's got a brave heart, face paint. Paint stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he should be working outside Edinburgh Castle for the tourists. That's how Scottish oh, he looks. Yeah. Wonderful. He was an expert sapper. He, uh, he specialised in tunnelling. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, we have... Gustiani, the uh, uh, Italian siege warfare expert, and his underling, (laughs) John Grant, the Scotsman. So they are going to lead the Romans to victory. Aye, they call me the Scottish Mole. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Most of the Genoese uh, went to where they were most comfortable, the water. Naval superpower. Uh, Although this did... Slight problem here. Who's in the water at the moment? Uh, lots of ships mm. uh, being led by Venetians and the Genoese. Mm. Uh, they don't really like each other that much. Mm. Yeah. 
hundreds of years of warfare by this point. Yeah. Yeah. Bit bit tetchy with each other. So things were a little bit tense. Anyway, uh, Gustinani and John Grant headed towards the land wall to coordinate things there. And let's begin, shall we? It was a siege of attrition. Mehmed spent days firing the cannons. Uh, These were just the cannons he had from before at this point. Urban's cannons not arrived. These cannons were enough to destroy the Hexamillion walls in a matter of days. But the Theodosian walls are a different breed of wall. They're damn good walls. Not going to mess about. Now, these cannons took almost three hours to reload. So there were only so many times they could fire them. Early days of cannons. Uh, they also dial up internet, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They also did things like explode in your face when you tried to use them <laughs> and things. It was shouldn't they? Yeah, they they were unwieldy, but I mean they they got results at the Hexamillion Wall, so surely here, yeah. But every time they fired one, uh, that was three hours for the Romans to then try and repair the wall, uh, which they did. Actually, things were looking okay. We've seen worse than this, said people in the city. Yeah, okay, mm. the cannons are loud and they seem scary, but we are repairing the walls faster than they're destroying it. We can yeah. keep this up. However, during this, word came into the city that the Ottomans were hoovering up literally every scrap the Empire had outside of Moria, and their Moria was also being attacked. This wasn't just the capital. This was the Roman Empire being annihilated, wiped off the oh. map. Yeah. And then, those standing on the walls, including Jeff and Roger and Gilbert and Keith, they would have seen something. Guessing Jeff did a small chair until he was, like, rugby tackled to the ground. They saw a large shape being dragged by 60 oxen and 200 men. Grond. 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 I'll just read verbatim the uh, the next note I had, which was, I can only assume everyone was shouting Grond. So... <laughs> Hey! I've been doing this podcast way too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a giant bombard cannon. This is the one that Urban had been working on. This thing was a monster. Uh, it could only be fired seven times in 24 hours, uh, but it wow. packed a punch. It is estimated that it could fire a 1,200 weight cannonball a mile. Now, that meant nothing to me, so I looked it up. A 1,200 weight cannonball weighs roughly the same as a large adult cow. So that'd be like firing a cow from my house into the centre of Coventry. Yeah, about that. Only like a really dense, small cow. Made of metal. Yeah. That's quite impressive. Yeah. Or if you'd prefer, six newborn baby elephants. Oh, cooler. <laughs> cooler, as you imagine it hitting the walls of Constantinople. <laughs> Just a sad little trumpet for a splat. <laughs> followed by five more. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the splat's getting damper with each one, though. Oh. <laughs> I imagine more of a spray effect over the elephants. Yeah. Yeah, the sound could be heard from ten miles away. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Not good. After a few days of helplessly listening to the explosions, a section of the outer wall fell into the moat. This thing was tough enough to actually blow holes in the walls. Uh, By this time, the Ottomans were attempting to fill the moat with anything they could find. Probably elephant remains. Uh, And... (laughs) The Romans were desperately attempting to repair the walls, but they were starting to fight a losing battle with this. So, if you have a look at your map, um, just have one area of the wall about two-thirds of the way down, 
that's where all the concentration of the cannon fire is. So that's where all the defences on the walls. They're trying to get mm. things repaired. It's not going well. Uh, meanwhile, swing over to the naval battle because things are going on over there. Uh, things are going a bit better. The Ottomans could not break the chain. They'd been listening to lots of Fleetwood Mac. It's a chain. It's a bloody chain. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you've got a, tr- a chain in front of your ship, it's going to stop your ship from going. Just get big chain cutters, like, sort of. It was a big chain. You'd need yeah, big, get... big chain cutters. <laughs> yeah, get big chain cutters. Yeah, well, they didn't Problem have any. They'd, they'd left it at home. Oh, it yeah. Is. So, the Ottomans weren't getting in. And even better news, three Genoese ships arrive with supplies. And they managed to sink a few of the Ottoman ships on the way in. Hey. So, there is now probably roughly about the same number of ships on either side. Cool. That's good. Uh, Mehmed, however, had heard of this, and he was not happy. He ordered the Admiral of the Ottoman fleet to be stripped of his rank and all of his wealth be given to his underlings. It's not my fault, it was the chain. But you <laughs> forgot the chain cutters. Well, Mehmed had a plan. I mean, there was no getting through this chain. He'd also listened to Fleetwood Mac. Um, <laughs> so one day shortly after the reinforcement ships arrived, the few Roman forces on the North Wall were horrified when they saw the Ottoman fleet sail to the land just north of the Genoese colony. Oh. Yeah, they just sail right up to the shore. Uh, The Ottomans had been busy, and the Romans would have seen as Ottoman forces descended upon their own ships and dragged them onto submerged trolleys that, that were then dragged ashore. The Ottomans had been very busy. They'd built a rudimentary road using logs, and the entire Ottoman fleet was dragged around the Genoese colony and around the chain, and then they were simply slid back into the water on the other side of the chain. That's quite genius. Yeah. It's like, we can't go through the chain, we'll just go around the chain. Why not? That's yeah. the sequel to the Fleetwood Mac song, Chain 2. Yes. Uh, the Roman response was too slow, uh, quite possibly because the Roman fleet was being mostly ran by the Venetians and Genoese, and they just kept arguing with each other. Uh, when mm. they did organise a counterattack with the aim of setting the Ottoman ships aflame, it failed miserably. The Ottomans now control the Golden Horn. So, cross out all of those Roman ships... The Ottomans now control the waterway. Mehmed then ordered a pontoon be built on which he placed one of his largest cannons and just sort of floated it out into the water and they started shooting the the northern walls from there. So inside the city, Gustinani and Constantine conferred with each other. Okay, what what are we going to do here? Well, there's only one thing they can do. That is, they're going to have to split all the forces on the land wall and place half of them on the north sea wall. So, the forces are split up, and what does this mean? Divided. Yeah, uh, divided. They were already struggling to repair the walls and repel them from the the Theodosian walls, and now they had half the troops to do it with. This was going to severely hinder them, but there's nothing they can do. So, um, where where are Jeff, Roger and Keith and Gilbert now? Are they still on the Theodosian walls? Well, I'd actually put them on the Theodosian wall about two-thirds of the way down. Where all of the... uh, Yeah, uh, so I think they were helping with the repairs. Okay, that that makes sense. Including Jeff. No, they had to put him onto catering because... (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Uh, Meanwhile, the economy of the city was ruined. Uh, Food was now so expensive that no one could afford to pay for it. Uh, Constantine, desperate, ordered the forced taking of riches from the rich. He made Mm. a promise 
that anything taken would be paid back fourfold after the war, but no one believed him. No. (laughs) So I'll pay you back afterwards. After what exactly, Constantine? There is no after. So he's Uh, essentially become a socialist in the last dying days. Yeah, it's a redistribution of the wealth. Uh, That's what he believed in. Um, Outside the city, the attacks on the walls continued. By now, the Janissaries were routinely attempting to scale the walls. So far, all attacks had been repelled, but it was not looking good. No. But they were mostly a distraction, because Mehmed had ordered that his men undermine the wall. He wasn't content to just let the cannon fire do the job. Yeah, he was going to tunnel under some of the towers and make them collapse. Bring out the mole, people! Well, Gustayani got wind of this and he was able to deploy the Scotsman. Uh, John Grant was found, probably in a house swigging his whiskey. John Grant, <laughs> this is your time! He just looks up Aye. and says, Hey, grabs his shovel and he calls a whole bunch of other Scotsmen that have uh, joined him. <laughs> and uh, they all just uh, start to countermine. So there's a whole war being fought in the darkness under the ground of the walls as the uh, like Ottomans. Yeah, the Ottomans and uh, John Grant uh, are just tunneling under the walls, trying to collapse each other's tunnels. So all that's going on. Just above them, they'd be hearing the the earth-shattering sound of the cannons going. All very oh. dramatic. Uh, after about a month and a half of this, a section of the outer wall was rubble, and a part of the moat was completely filled in by the Ottomans. Uh, The Ottomans then start to attempt to use siege towers, big wooden towers. They pushed Mm. them over the filled-in moat, but the Romans were able to set them alight. This failed. Hooray. Uh, But it wasn't a real hooray. It was a very, maybe sarcastic hooray. Huzzah. (laughs) Yeah, morale in the city. Go us. (laughs) Morale in the city is plummeting. Food is running out. Help was not on the way. People start to desert the city. Fights kept breaking out between the Venetians and the Genoese because they don't trust each other. Uh, Gustiani and some of the more prominent Roman generals started to accuse each other of cowardice uh, because they didn't get on. Uh, And Constantine, when in the streets, was being shouted at by the anti-unionist citizens. They were still (laughs) outraged. Now is not the time, you... (laughs) Well, Seriously! They were outraged that Latin mass was being held in the Hagia Sophia, and they were refusing to enter. (laughs) So pick pick your time, guys. Fight one (laughs) one thing at a time. (laughs) Yeah, and then, nearly two months in, the dome of the Hagia Sophia started to glow red. Did it really? Our last omen time, Jamie. No. Yeah. Omen time, omen time. Yes. Uh, Gong. Um, yeah, it just starts glowing red. Uh, the end no, was here. Uh, probably, by the way, a combination of the light from the Turkish campfires and low clouds reflecting the light. Um, yeah. But to the Romans, oh no, no, this was this was an omen, either of their impending doom, or maybe an omen that the goats were just going happy. With some red paint. Who knows? I, I think the goats are scarpered at this point. It's just one on a rope, sweating his little brow off. Oh, determined goat who's going to yeah. stay. Yeah. The, the final stalwart of the, uh, the Romans. Yeah. Uh, there was then a huge hailstorm, and uh, then someone dropped the icon of the Virgin Mary, breaking a frame. Uh, so, I mean, clearly the end was nigh. Yeah. The omens were coming thick and fast. Uh, advisors <laughs> of Constantine came to the emperor and suggested that he head for Moria. The city's going to fall. Um, but it had fallen once before, 
and the Romans had returned because they had an emperor. As long as he was safe, the empire would continue. Constantine refused. He was not about to abandon the city at the time of its greatest need. Which sounds like the kind of thing that you'd say just before rallying, doesn't it? Yeah. Do do you think this is like the speech Theoden gave when he's being strapped up in Helm's Deep? Yeah, I think so. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, How is he based on this? (laughs) Maybe. He got word from Mehmet, uh, surrender. Uh, You have two choices. You can live under my rule or you can go somewhere else. But the city is mine. It is now the capital of the Ottoman Empire. Constantine had the same answer that he had to his advisors. No, I'm going nowhere. I'd rather die than give up. And this was the last communication between the two. Shortly after this, a section of the inner wall collapsed under the sheer destruction of the cannon fire. And then everything grew silent. The constant punctuation of cannon fire stopped and the sounds of the Ottoman army digging and the building and the fighting ceased. For a whole day, there was an uneasy quiet and everyone knew what this was. Maybe the war's over. (laughs) Maybe the war's over. Maybe there is peace. (laughs) Yes. Wonderful. (laughs) The big push would be the next day. Those in the city not defending the walls headed for the Hagia Sophia, union and anti-union factions forgetting their differences. Uh, it's prayers... a bad bloody time! Constantine <laughs> shouted out of a window. Prayers were said and everyone waited for the hammer to fall. Uh, before dawn the next day, the trumpet sounded and the attack started. For the two hours, wave after wave... Of the standard. <laughs> then you hear an arrow and a. <laughs> a wave after wave of the standard Ottoman troops threw themselves at the weakest section of the very damaged wall. Uh, Constantine and Gustiani led the fight back, and they were successful for a while. Yeah. At defending their position. But after two solid hours of fighting, the Roman troops were exhausted. It was only then, after two hours, that Mehmed ordered his janissaries forward. Ah. Yeah. Uh, And also, an attack on the north wall started. Ah. Yeah. On the main wall, after six hours, Gustiani was wounded. It's not clear how exactly, but it was a bad wound. Constantine begged him to stay at his post. Morale will seriously be damaged if people find out that you're you're hurt. Uh, but the general was severely wounded. He was bleeding. <laughs> uh, this wasn't something you could walk <laughs> off. He scraped his finger. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> yes, paper cuts can be really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he had to be carried away, passing out. Uh, he 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 was off the board. The half morale... his face is gone, half yeah. a limb, leg in pieces. Like, you can stay, please stay at your post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, morale of the defenders plummeted once more, if it can still plummet. Uh, taking advantage of this distraction, one Ottoman janissary was able to climb on top of one of the towers in the wall and raise the Ottoman flag. And it's at that point morale completely collapsed. Yeah. Some Ottoman troops got through the Roman defences and managed to get a gate open. The Ottomans pour into the city. The Romans abandon their posts, fleeing. The Janissaries follow into the city, lots of fighting in the streets, and it's only going one way. Uh. Constantine attempted to rally the men, 
He threw off his purple cloak, and he donned normal soldier's attire, and then he gathered those around him that he could. Oh. And at this point, feel free to imagine the music at the end of Blackadder. Oh. Yeah. Or maybe a slow piano version of our theme tune. Oh. And go into slow motion, Jamie. Constantine is standing in a street in the city, a few men around him. Jeff, Roger, Keith, Gilbert, they're all there. Oh, no. Yeah. They all let out a scream, and in slow motion, they run into the thick of the fighting and then fade to black. And then fade up on a modern street in Istanbul with just the dying sounds, because Constantine was never seen again, and the Roman Empire is over. The end. The the end. The end. Wow. That was intense. Yeah. You expecting him to go out in a blaze of glory? I don't know. I thought he'd just be captured and... Yeah. No. Yeah, we have no idea how he died, but he would have died just like a common soldier. He stopped looking like the emperor and he just went to fight. I should say, for completion's sake, this is one version of events. Um, There is an Ottoman source that claims that he was trying to flee to the port when he was captured and hacked down in the street. Uh, But (laughs) that one's usually ignored by historians because it doesn't sound anywhere near as cool. (laughs) So we'll follow suit. Alternate version. Yeah. There's there's another trumpet. Okay. (laughs) Then the distance over the hill. (gasps) On, On a horse. Yes. Is Julius Caesar. Oh my god, he's been gone for more than five days. I know. And he's got a whole legion of like classic Romans with their big red shields with the thunderbolts on. Yeah. And all of like, them past emperors. Not any emperor. They've got to be Gene Caesar winners. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Like Vespasians there, Aurelians there. It's like yeah. charge and head tilts. But because it's now like five hundred years in the future, they all just get slaughtered. Yeah, yeah. The, but the it's Ottomans a nice turn. moment. Turn the cannons round and just absolutely wipe them out. Yeah, nice moment though. Yeah, was, yeah. but there was hope for a bit. There was, yeah, yeah. Um, right, shall we? Shall we do our last rating then? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Fightius Maximus. Um, okay, uh, Fightius. Uh, there's a suggestion that Constantine was involved in the defense of the city in his teens. We get no details on this, but he certainly comes out of that um, siege with his father and his brother approving of his actions. Mm. Uh, So that's good. He fought in Moria with his brother against Carlo Tocco. They won the naval battle. Hard to tell how much he was involved in it, but it's a victory and he was involved in it. Uh, He (laughs) then took several towns and cities and brought them into the empire in Moria, including Patras that we covered a little bit of. Uh, He built up the defences of Moria, and then he struck out to gain land. He got Athens. He got Thebes. So Mm. that's good. So all of that goes in the win column. Hmm. He's he's definitely getting some points. Uh, However, tale of two halves, uh, he then lost the attack on Moria by the Ottomans. And after he became the emperor, he took over the defence of the city. And let's put it bluntly, he failed. Yes. However, how much do we punish him here? I mean... You can't. was, Was this impossible to stop the invention of these cannons that could actually damage the wall i mean was he going to be able to would anyone have been able to do anything different i don't i don't think so i think he was 
No, he did the best he could. He had good advisors. He had that guy at the beginning who began with the G. Yep. He had the Scott, who's probably still digging to this day. We don't probably, to. yeah. It's probably down there with his bottle of whiskey still. He probably dug back to Scotland. Yeah, that's the only sensible way. That's the part of his tunnel is still open. It's the Channel Tunnel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, uh, so, yeah, I mean, losing the city and the Empire falling, you, you lose that's the final su- battle. That's it, more success, though, isn't it? Yes, no, you definitely could argue that. Um, points he does get, though, here's a big one. He dies in battle. Not yes. many emperors have died in battle. I did a very quick think, and I listed some. I might have missed one out here. Uh, Gordian II, Philip, Decius, Constantine II, Julian, Valens, Nicephoros, and Starachius. I'm counting Starachius. He died a few weeks later, yeah. but his head was half chopped off in the battle. I remember um, that, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's it, as uh, as far as I can tell, um, yeah, that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Out of yeah. 170, only nine emperors die in battle. So, yeah, I think you definitely get some points for dying in battle. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, it was also a dramatic way. He could have left, but no, he went down with the ship. According to the Roman side, yes, he definitely went down in the city. Well, he either went down with the ship, metaphorically, or he went down with a ship, literally, as he was trying to flee. But either way. So, uh, tricky one to do. What do you think? It's really a tale of two halves, isn't it? Because you could argue he wasn't that successful. I mean, you could say you argue he took, like, Athens and Thebes. Brilliant. He expanded the empire. Um, <laughs> but he then did. he very he much laugh. lost the empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he did. He did expand he, the he empire. Did. He, expanded he did. Empire. He did fighting. Um, yes, I I couldn't give him less than say four, but I couldn't go much higher than that. I'm I'm going to go for six, and I'll tell you, you for why. Yeah, I right, think this is a straight up tale of two halves, five, and I'm going to give him a bonus point for dying in battle. Okay. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go for six. That's. Good persuasion. Yeah, I'll match that. Cool. That is 12 for Phytius Maximus. Goodbye, Phytius Maximus. You were a good oh, round. Last room. Yeah, that's last time. Uh, yeah, never give out Phytius Maximus points out again. Right, ready to go into this room. This room's yeah. been so much fun over the years. It has. Approvium Crazium. But unfortunately, not much in there today. Um, yet again, we have yet another Sane Paleologos. I find it fascinating that the longest ruling dynasty are possibly the sanest of the lot. Uh, just yeah. to be clear here, uh, the Paleologos dynasty lasted for 194 years. Wow. The Macedonians come in second with 189, and then it drops off because there were a few dynasties that lasted around 100 years. Uh, but yeah, the Macedonians and the uh, Paleologos dynasties last good while and Mm. yeah there were some civil wars and uh some blindings but mostly the paleologos lot were quite sane um and constantine 11 really fits this uh we actually get a fair amount of detail on constantine because of george's writing um but there's just nothing crazy i came across no uh i can't give him any crazy points opprobrium um he did support the unification of the churches, but it wasn't him pushing it. He kind of reluctantly went along with it. Not sure he deserves any points there. Um, here's one, though. He lost the empire. Yes, but 
in the same way that if something somebody steals something from you, you wouldn't say it's been you haven't lost it. It's been taken from you. Yeah, and I would have give points for he lost the empire if he'd been completely useless. Yeah, if he'd been an Augustulus. Yeah, um, but you get the sense that he was trying his hardest. Yeah, but there was just nothing he could do. So I don't think he can get any points in this round. I don't think he can. No. So unfortunately, that's a zero. Okay, next. Success ultimate. Well, we can talk about the little things, can't we, Jamie? We can talk about him reluctantly supporting the unification of the church. We can talk about his attempts to raise money in the capital. We can talk yeah. about him expanding Moria. But there's there's a massive, massive elephant in the room that's mourning the loss of its children. <laughs> because, let's face it, um, the, the elephant is that he lost. Yeah. The empire's gone. If we are judging how successful an emperor is, and the empire comes to an end under that emperor, yeah. can we give him any points? You could give him one tokenistic for fighting his hardest, doing whatever he could. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm willing to, to I go don't think he's much higher than that. Yeah, I agree. I'll give him one. It's two. I do feel sorry for him. I do, because he tried so hard. He did. Right, what's he look like? Image of So compared to the image of his brother, John... Uh, we are back to the manuscript yeah. drawings. Uh, it, we, we've seen it all before. One thing to note, though, look at his beard. Very short. Short and rounded. The it's fashion like a... seems to have changed. Pointed yeah. beards are out, apparently, and rounded oh. beards are in. Look at the bags under his eyes, though. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of bags under his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that's multiple. In fact, the bags go down to almost... <laughs> <His> lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's an emperor who's seen things. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean, it's just fairly typical. It's nothing to get excited about compared to the last couple we've had. So I'm, I'm going to go yeah. middle of the road, five. Yeah, I'll match that. So that's uh, 2.5. Temple completed. Uh, how long does it last? I, I'm trying not to look at the Wikipedia page. Um, it seemed like quite a while because things seem to move quite quickly, don't they? Don't forget that we covered a lot of him being the heir. He only became emperor after his brother died. How long was the seat? Well, he said a couple of months, didn't you? Um, I'm thinking it's prob. Well, I'm guessing it's under 10 years then. Yes, very much under... 10 years. Uh, he became emperor in 1449 and he very much stopped being emperor <laughs> in 1453. Uh, I am going to, because of the months, round that to four years and he gets a score of 0. 0.4. So what, what's his score, Jamie? Our last one. We really need to add these up right. <laughs> Our last emperor. 16.9? Of 16.9, yes. Ah, excellent. We both added up correctly. Or we both got it wrong. 16.9. I mean, for the last emperor, it's probably better than some people would be expecting. And to be honest, if he wasn't so bloody sane, he Mm. would have got a a reasonable score. But no, he was just sane. Oh, I thought of something for a probium. Oh, go on then. He wrestled the Turks in the city. He did, which was a bit of a move um yeah do you want to give him a bonus point for that let's give let's give him one point for that yeah okay 
So that's what, 17.9? Yeah, so massively increased his score to 17. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be pleased about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, 17.9. But for our very, very last ever Gene César, oh. I think we actually have a conversation. Yeah. Do they have a certain Gene César? Okay. So, reasons to not give it to him. Uh, he was only M for four years. Didn't really mm-hmm. achieve anything during that time. He he expanded the empire. Well, reasons to give it to him. Uh, he went down fighting. He he didn't just give up. He walked into that battle knowing he was going to die. He went down with the ship. Gene Caesar has always been about. Would you tell somebody else about this? He was the yeah. last Roman emperor, and he went down like a beast. You Quite could literally. argue just being the last is yeah. a reason to have Gene Caesar. Yeah. Um, but that Blackadder goes forth ending. Oh. Um, I've, I've, I'm going to say yes. I think he deserves it. I, I am going to say for yes For that as ending well. alone. Yeah. So well done, Constantine Eleven. You have Gene Caesar. And that's the last one we give out. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So that's it, Jamie. We're done. We're done. Told you it wouldn't take long. Nope. All those years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Six years in the, in, in the making. Um, I think there's yeah. an addendum to the episode, though. Oh, yeah. There's an addendum to our Western Roman Emperor one, so I think it's an addendum to this one as well. Because out of the rubble, somebody sort of digs their way out, like pushes a few rocks aside, yeah. and they're carrying a big okay. stick in their hand. And at the end of the stick, yeah. there's like a, a, a rag that's been sort of tied around it, holding sort of valuables, things that, that they think are important. They get that yeah. stick. Yeah. They put it on their shoulder. They're walking over yeah. the dead bodies, walking through the first broken wall, walking over the <laughs> squelch, rubble. Squelch. Squelch. Yeah, stepping on yeah. a few faces, that kind of thing. And they're, they're, they're standing at a crossroads. And it goes in many different directions. And oh. this person, Rob, is Jeff. And they're wondering, where shall I go next? Does, does the sign say Holy Roman Empire on one, one says, and says Ottoman Empire. Empire on the yeah. other? And yeah. And Bob just points to... Um, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Which way is he going to go, Jamie? I don't know. Which way is he going to go? Don't know. Well, it fades to black before we find out, unfortunately. Yeah. Because we are not announcing what our next series is now. We will announce no. it at some point, but we, do, we, we genuinely don't know yet. But what we can say is, yes, this is the end. All emperors are done. But obviously we have our rounds to do. So Cherry we'll be race. back with Roman emperors. We've got chariot racing to do. We have got to whittle away which emperors got Genesis are, pit them against each other. And then once we've done that, I, I'm guessing at least one episode right at the end where we pit our Western and Eastern winner against each other to see who oh. the ultimate winner is. So Leo versus yeah, Aurelian. Go up against Aurelian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have stuff to do. This podcast isn't going away just yet. Um, but a huge, huge thank you to all of you who have supported us, especially those of you who have become Patreon members and uh, are on our Discord. Bless the Holy Peach. See, in joke, Jamie, that only Discord people will know about. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, that, that, <laughs> that damn Holy Peach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and until next time, uh, I think we should just end... With Constantine Eleven running into battle in slow motion with Jeff and Roger 
and Keith and Gilbert. Yeah. Just watch them go there in slow motion. Are you watching them? I can see them. The gong is just going at it.